Welcome back to another episode of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Meacham, former UC basketball player from 1997 to 1999 under the legendary coach, my man, Bob Huggins. And I was fortunate enough to wear the iconic Jordan brand unis during my time. Now you can follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. I'm on Snapchat at Big Meach 41 and soon to be on TikTok. That's right. Now, this is the special edition of the podcast, my interview series with a very special guest. All right, hey, after a great interview with Bearcat legend Lizelle Durden, it's only right that I have this gentleman on the show. As many of you know, Lizelle's nickname is the Gunslinger. And it's well documented that it was given to him by former Bearcat play-by-play commentator Kevin Frazier. Well, hey, I reached out all the way to beautiful Los Angeles, California. I'd like to welcome in my guy, Kevin Frazier. Kevin, how you doing, bud? Alex, how are you doing, man? So good to hear from you. Yeah, man, I'm doing I'm doing great. How you doing with everything that's going on, man? I mean, you know, it, it's a little wild and things are, you know, you're trying to deal with it. We had to shut down ET, um, the stage, for two weeks, but we're still working. I mean, we're we're tracking stories and we're shooting stuff out and about, um, you know, but trying to stay safe. But it's a challenging time for the entertainment industry because everything's closed. I know. And so we have a, a mutual friend, Rob Parker. Yeah, of course. Um you know, I, I have a I have a, um, a travel website called Travel Coterie, and Rob just did a piece for us because he went on the Golden Girls cruise. And I'm like, you're a grown black man going on a Golden Girls cruise. What in the world is wrong with you? Please write that story up. And he had a great time. He loved it. And it was just before the virus and everything broke. It's like Rob and a bunch of old ladies on the, on the cruise. But, yeah, he's a huge Golden Girls fan, so he, he just did that. And before that, he went to the Antarctic. So now he's been on all seven continents. So besides being a great, great, great sports um, writer and broadcaster, Rob is an avid traveler. He is. He is. And I, I told him, so I had him on the show last week, and he came on and talked. Cause you, as you know, he was here in Cincinnati covering the Reds. So we talked a little bit about that and just, you know, his thoughts on the Bearcats from back then with Hugs and Kenyon Martin. But we yeah. talked about the Golden Girls cruise, and I'm like, you had to be the only black dude on there. And he's like, yeah. man, they thought, they thought I was uh, Isaac from the love boat. <laughs> exactly. Got lost. Isaac got lost. I mean, it was the craziest thing when I, he was like, Oh, I'm back for my golden girls cruise. And I was like, I literally hit him up the second I saw it. I was like, Rob, did, is this right? You went on a golden girls cruise? <laughs> no, like golden girls. And he was like, yeah, man, I love the show. I was like, okay, bro. All right. He's, yeah, he's a, he's an original. He is one of one of one, one of one man. Now, hey, listen, you, you grew up in Maryland, the Maryland area, correct? Yeah, 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 in uh, Columbia, Maryland, right between Baltimore and Washington. Yeah, that was okay. my my home. Now, your father was a basketball coach, and your mother was an athletic director. Yeah, so my mom was the athletic director at the local high school, but my dad was a basketball coach almost all my life. And um, when we were in Baltimore, he was um, he was with the Knicks. 
for a couple of years, and then he was coaching at Morgan State. And in 1974, they won the NCAA Division II championship. Those of you who know your basketball history remember Marvin Webster. Um, he played for my father, and um, he later went, won, won a championship with the Seattle Supersonics. Um, but it was a great experience being able to grow up around basketball, and that's why I have such a love for it. I mean, I worked for my dad for a couple of years, and so that's why I, you know, I love it. It's my second passion. If you, you know, people say, oh, you, you love entertainment. I was like, no, actually, I really love basketball. <laughs> now, I'm so surprised you didn't become a basketball coach. Uh, you know, I think sometimes, no matter how successful you are, even when I'm on Sports Center, you know, I still would talk to my father, and I, I and I would, I feel like I let him down a little bit because he wanted me to coach. He's like, you really have training in this. Like, you understand it, you, you know? And For so sure. it's kind of funny that he would kind of look at me, and he's like, yeah, you have a great job, though. But, I mean, man, you, know, <laughs> you, know, you wasted a lot of knowledge and a lot of years. Yeah. Now, when you were in Baltimore, um, you did yeah. a segment on the Sports Unlimited. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, so when I was in Baltimore, first, I started out in Charleston working as a cameraman. And then mm-hmm. after that, I um, I moved to Baltimore, back home. You know, it was a great chance to get back home, but I was still a cameraman, and they gave me a segment on the Sunday night show called Sports Unlimited. But, you know, and this is a lot like you, how you build your own thing. I had to build my own thing. I had to go out and after work, shoot stuff on my own. There was no mm-hmm. extra cameraman or anything like that. I had to go shoot my pieces and then go back in late at night and edit them and, you know, build my own little thing. But when you see an opening, you have to take it. You have to make what you can out of nothing because there's only you. And um, it, it went well. And that's how really that's the beginning of my career. And, you know, what's funny is a lot of times people, they'll watch you and see you on Entertainment Tonight, which we'll talk about a little bit later, and, and, and see you talking in front of the camera. But little do they know that you can do almost every aspect that's needed to make that happen. You can go and shoot it. You can, you know, produce, you, you can do all that stuff. Yeah, no, when I was in Baltimore, I was a cameraman and I, you know, I drove a live truck and so I can set up a live shot and I can, you know, I can do all that stuff. I still edit to this day a lot. And, um, wow. you know, I think that, you know, people always look at me kind of weird when they see me out shooting so much with cameras and stuff. And then I know it drives my children crazy, but, that is, I was a cameraman, you know, I was out in the streets shooting fires, murders, and PTA meetings. And so, <laughs> you know, that was, that was my thing. And, and now, and I really felt like no matter what, that would be something that I would always love to do. Yeah. Now, now then from there, you go to become a weekend sports anchor for WXIX here in Cincinnati. Yeah. And it was funny because <laughs> I, I mean, I, for two years, I was trying to get a job, trying to get a job. And then, WXIX and another station in the market offered me a job at the same time. And I went with WXIX because I loved the opportunity. And they said, you know what else we'll let you do? We'll let you try out for the Bearcat games. Mm. You can try out to do them, and we'll see if it'll work for you. But, you know, no promises, but you can try out for it. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was fantastic. And I think for the station, it was fantastic because you're mixing, you know, you have your guy who works there every day also calling the games and you know i i I love that basketball life that's what i came from so for me it was the greatest gig in the you know it was like the perfect job i've I've never been and they paid me so i've never been so happy right to like get a job um because it was it was perfect i was still i was doing sports but i was also calling basketball games going to practice being around the team i loved it so much 
no doubt. And you you did it from let's see, nineteen ninety three to about ninety five. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. And and um, you know, the beauty of it was that when I went to um, when I ended up at ESPN, that that at that same time, Larry Harrison got the job at University of Hartford. So yeah. literally every afternoon, I was up in the practice at Hartford playing ball with them too, but just hanging out with Larry and even going to some of the traveling with the team for some of the away games. So, I mean, I loved it. And to this day, I still stay in touch with Coach Huggins and Larry. I went to see them when they were out here in the NCAA tournament two years in a row. We went up to um, San Jose, and then we went down to San Diego to see them. And so it's great to see the team and support them. But, you know, you stay connected with those people. And those are good folks who, you know, took care of me when I was there at Cincinnati. They they took good care of me. No no doubt. And do you remember Chuck Mayshuck? Of course I remember Chuck Mayshuck. Great guy. Great yeah. guy. And another part of the family that really embraced. You know, it took a second. Chuck took a second to be like, I got to check you out and make sure you're, you're straight. <laughs> Let me make sure he knows what he's doing. But after that. He was fantastic, man. I, you know, another one of the great people that, you know, I'll never forget from Cincinnati. Yeah, and, and Chuck was, uh, he, you know, he was diehard Bearcat. Diehard. Uh, through, and he just he just recently passed away. Yeah, no, I, I heard. And, and, um, my condolences to his family. You know, he's a good, good man. Yeah, for sure. So, so during your time when you were doing the play-by-play for the Bearcats, I want to talk to you about – um, some memorable games, yeah. maybe some hug stories and favorite players. But I, I want to start with players. Like, who was the one or two players that just stick out to you? Like, th- those were my guys. You know what? It's funny because there's so many that I just enjoyed so much. And you have to understand that, like, you know, Nick and those guys had just left, but they were coming back in the summer. But there was this whole, you know, Nick, Terrence, T. Nelson, all those guys. So when I first got there, I had a chance to actually – get on the court and run with them. And so people like, you know how you sit at home and you watch that press, that Bearcat press from back in the day, that team that went to the final four. You're like, yeah, they press them. But if I was out there, I would have done this and this and this. Uh You've never seen anything like that until you get on the court. You get on the court and try to play against them dudes in a summer environment where they're just running around and they're (laughs) trapping you. And so that was really a great introduction to me to understand (laughs) what it was like to get really heated up. I'd never got like you. Everybody's gotten heated up, but they really heated you up, and so it was great. But man, so many guys, so many great stories. Let me tell you, like, uh, one of my favorite stories is Danny Fortson. Okay. Danny Fortson was, you know, Danny was rough down low, you know, uh-huh. and he would struggle. He'd bump sometimes. He'd grab and push, and I talked about it during one of the games, and. Hugs gets on the bus after the game, and I'm literally I'm on first, and Hugs comes on second, and he looks at me, and he's like, yo, you are killing us. You're killing us. You're the reason why Danny fouled out tonight. I want you to know, you keep talking about him fouling in the lane, and you're killing us, and you don't think every coach in the whole league listens to that, and they tell the referees, you're damn right. This is on you. This one's on you. I mean, he screams on me, right? <laughs> yep, and I'm I like, I'm like, I can see the I'm whole like, thing. I'm like, yo, what? I'm like, what? What? And I mean, screams on me. And But this is hugs. Like, we get on the bus, we start driving, and it was, um, and, and by the time we got back, here's hugs walking me, walking with me with his arm around me, telling me how much he loves me, you know? And he's like, you know, just, I want you to think about that, you know? <laughs> la, 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 la. But it was like, that's hugs, man. He, you know, 
He would put your arm. He would love you one second. He would get in you, but he always loved you, man. And so I'll never forget him screaming on me about calling, you know, pointing out that Danny was grabbing folks. That's funny. He he was treating you like a player. Yes, but I love that. I mean, I I remember being in a press conference and Hugs yelling at me um, after after one of the games, and I I asked him, uh, you know, how he felt. They they had lost and. There were a bunch of fouls called, and I asked Coach about it, and he, he was like, what did you see? Tell me what you saw. I know I still have that clip somewhere on VHS where he just screamed. He's like, what did you see? You watched the game. Why are you asking me? You watched the entire game, and you'll probably watch it again on tape. What did you see? And I was like, well, I was just asking you. He's like, no, 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 you tell me. You know what's going on out there. I thought you knew basketball. I was like, <laughs> but – um. That's him, man. That that's him. That's him. And but um, there were just so many great players and great time. And you know, I I think of Lazelle, man, because mm. no one has ever been at like when he caught fire. People don't understand when Lazelle caught fire. There was nothing you could do. Like right. when it was cooking, it was there was you couldn't stop that jumper. And it yep. was it was pure. Money and you know I'll never forget the night up in Wyoming mm-hmm. where I went crazy. I, that night I went crazy. I must have yelled "gunslinger" 107 times. <laughs> As a matter of fact, Dave Ashbrock, who was yep. who's the producer of the games, he said, "Enough with the gunslinger. Come on, please, no more gunslinger." Because <laughs> I just I was losing my mind over Lizelle that night. He was killing them. And yep. um, here's the crazy thing: going up there, it's a it's a crazy flight, and we didn't fly with the team. Dave Ashbrock and I, the producer, flew to Denver, and then from Denver, you have to take a little puddle jumper, a, like, nine-seater that you fly in, and it makes two stops, and then you finally land in um, Laramie, Wyoming. Oh, wow. And so we were on the plane with these five football recruits who were going to the game also, and every – Body was laughing and yucking it up and talking and everything halfway through the flight. And then we hit crazy turbulence. And the plane was bouncing up and down. It's a little plane. And one of the big boys who had been laughing turns around and looks. And he looks at me and he looks at Dave. And, I mean, he throws up everything in his stomach from a week right, oh, on the, right down the aisle. And we can't stop. There's no flight attendant or anything. I mean, you still have 25, 30 minutes of flight after dude is yacked. And he's got right. luggage and everything. Oh so man! We get to we get to we get to Laramie, and we're already in a messed up state of mind because mm-hmm. this dude is throwing up all over our luggage and our shoes and everything. So we're like, oh my god, let's just start this game. And then you get into the game, and Wyoming was playing us tough. I mean, you know, everybody forgets Wyoming used to have a great tradition, starting with Fennis Dembo and those guys back in oh, the yeah. day. Yeah, and so they had a great tradition, and Wyoming was playing tough. I can't remember who was the big center there that night. But then late in the game, Lazelle got it cooking, and they Uh couldn't do a thing with him, man. It was one of great nights. It was one of my favorite games. And he ended up with 45 points. Yeah. Um, And and if you remember, if you could take us through from your vantage point, the last play when he got fouled on that three-pointer, and we're down, Bearcats are down two, so he's going to the line. Nobody's on the free-throw line. He's got to make three to. He's got three free throws. He's got to make three to win it. Do you remember all three of those free throws? I don't remember all three of them. I remember talking about. I remember turning to Tom. It was Tom Brenneman, I believe, and mm-hmm. turning to Tom, and we were taught. As a matter of fact, now it's starting to click in. I remember turning to Tom Brenneman, and I said, 
he's going to make all three of these. These mm-hmm. are going to be money. And I believe I said that on the broadcast, that, like, there was no way Lazelle was going to miss those free throws. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and do you remember on the second one he started hushing Trout? He turned around and gave them the shush, and yes. everybody was like, yo, what are you doing? But I was like, you don't understand. He's in a different place right now, y'all. Yes. He's like, he's in a zone. He's in a zone. And yeah. I, I might have yelled. I might have been my last gunslinger because that's when Dave Ashrock was enough already. <laughs> enough. Stop yelling gunslinger. But well, you, I, I want to tell everybody something really fascinating. In okay. my drawer at home, I have Lazelle's game jersey. I, okay. I got it. <laughs> and is. I grabbed it. And I've had it ever since, and I still have it to this day. I have Lizelle's game jersey. Do and you I wear it in L.A.? Have you oh, worn it around L.A.? Basketball. I, play, I play basketball, and when I play old man basketball, I rock the Lizelle jersey, and people are like, yo, is that a real game jersey? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it's a, real, it's a real deal. And it's from one of my all-time favorite players. And, I mean, that's what I just – I love that kid, and he was just, you know – he was all heart, man. You know, he's like your typical kind of Hugs player. You know, Hugs would beat him up a little bit, especially when his his jumper was off. And he he did learn other ways to contribute when he wasn't, you know, lights out. When he wasn't shooting the ball, lights out. Mm-hmm. No doubt. Now, how'd you come up with the gunslinger? Okay, so here's a funny thing: the Cincinnati the newspaper did an article, and they put Lizelle in. This um in a like a cowboy outfit. Oh boy! And he's in a cowboy outfit. And I can't remember whether it was a preview or something like that. And they were like, you know, he's a real gunslinger. Mm. And I was like, yo, he is the gunslinger. He will shoot <laughs> anybody down. And so I started going at, but <laughs> it was the local paper that put him out as this cowboy. That's funny. Yeah. And so it just turned into the gunslinger from that. And and the crazy thing is, you know, with Bearcat basketball, there are there are three nicknames that everyone remembers and <laughs> everyone talks talks about. They're the top three. Obviously, number one is the Big O. Oh right, Big O. The helicopter, Melvin yes. Levitt. Yep. Num- and then the gunslinger. Like those <laughs> three, you don't even need to say their names. Everybody knows, and he's Man. still. If you go on a Facebook and you look at Lizelle's Facebook, it says Lizelle Durden, and then it says Gunslinger. No on his Facebook page. Yes, it does. Type him in a Facebook. It says Gunslinger on there. I swear to you. Come on. And yeah, man. He still. And I told him that you have his jersey, man. And, and the interview I did with Lizelle, he just was like, man. He's like, that means so much to me. Like. Man, he's like, I love that guy. So I mean, remember? I'm telling you, I rock that jersey. And there's there's been more. There's been a day or two where I've yelled out gunslinger some cats, <laughs> where I've yelled at him when I start hitting jump. Once the jumper starts cracking, and you know, dudes are looking at you like this dude's crazy. And I'm like, no, I'm the gunslinger, bro. I'm the gunslinger. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, I got that. I got that Lizelle mojo working, baby. <laughs> now I'll give you a little blast from the past. Do you yeah. remember? Bob Huggins golf outings. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> Do oh, I yeah. ever? <laughs> yeah. Do man. I ever? We we you and I partied at one back in the day. I have a picture you and I uh took from the event, man, but those were those were 
great, man. They don't do those anymore. Like I mean, I that I, I remember my last one was so much fun. And after the we're in the um the dining room afterwards and everybody's had a few cocktails, you know? Everybody is a little <laughs> the wheels have been greased. And Charles Barkley, I'm sitting yep. with my wife, Solomon Wilcox and his wife, right? So we're gonna go yep. have a nice family dinner. And Charles Barkley stands up and says, Kim Frazier, we're going to the strip club. Let's go. Oh, boy. And I look at him like, Charles, Charles, what, what are you talking bro? Are you looking at me right now? I'm sitting with my wife right here. He, he what care. are you trying to start? He, he didn't care. <laughs> no, he didn't care. But those were great events. And people would come from all over the country, man. Big names would come from all over the country because that's the respect that people have for hugs, you know? That's yeah. the love and respect for hugs. That's really what it is. No no doubt about it. And so you go from, you know, working here locally with WXIX, mm-hmm. working with the Bearcats, and then you eventually go on to ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in between Fox Sports, I spent, a, you know, I came out here for Fox Sports, and I at Fox Sports I worked with Van O'Reilly and Keith Oberman, and um, it was a great run, and it was great being here in Los Angeles. And so forever, I said, I'm going to just stay here forever. And mm-hmm. then when they ended the National Sports Report and Keith left and everything, they were like, well, we're going to put you in one of the regionals. And I was like, no, 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 no. I'm going to go to ESPN then. I'm going to make the jump. And it was hard because I didn't want to go back east. I was like, I live in L.A. I'm living yeah. my best life. Our, our our studio was on the Fox movie lot. Wow. So it was hard to make that transition. But then going to ESPN, I mean, it was it was amazing because, you know, um, I, I it, at Fox I got to work with on a regular basis, James Worthy, Marcus Johnson, um, uh, Craig Simpson for hockey, and so many other great guys. And then uh, when I went to ESPN, I was with Greg Anthony, my man Mm -hmm. Stephen A, because Stephen A Mm -hmm. was with us at Fox first, and then Stephen A moved over to um, ESPN. So we were together, we were together at ESPN, Bill Lambeer. um, Oh, we used to have so much fun on that pregame show. You know, and then hanging out in the city with Greg Anthony. I mean, I was, my be- I was living my best life. Yeah, no doubt. Now, what what led you to uh, Entertainment Tonight? You know, it's really funny because um, my agent gave me a call, and he's like, hey, when you're in L.A. at the All-Star Game, the last time the All-Star Game was in L.A., he's like, hey, will you just, you know, meet with these people from Entertainment Tonight? And I was like, eh, you know, uh, okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. And I went and I visited the studio and met with everybody and, did a little test on camera, and I never thought about it again. I went back to, you know, ESPN, and I was like, here we go. And they called me, and they said, we want to have a meeting with you. We want to offer you this job. And um, I'll never forget Linda Bell Blue, who was the executive producer at the time. She, um, We talked, and, you know, they offered me a job. And then as I was leaving, she's like, where are you going? And I was like, oh, I'm getting ready to catch a cab. i got to get out to the airport, going to Vegas for an ESPN shoot. And she's like, you're getting a cab, honey? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, if you work for me, you'll never ride in a cab again. <laughs> I, was like, what? I, was, I was like, hmm, amenity, amenity. <laughs> right. But what was interesting is people would say to me after I moved to entertainment tonight, they'd be like, Kev, you okay? What happened to you, bro? You good? And I'd be like, yeah, you have to ask your wife. Your wife watches me now, <laughs> not you anymore. And I went from the ultimate men's show to the ultimate woman's show. So yeah. it was a very interesting transition for me, and things, it made things, you know, very interesting but very different. It was a very different world for me. But the numbers, when you deal with a show well, like Entertainment I mean, Tonight, <laughs> pop culture, the numbers are by far bigger 
Well, this is what people don't understand, and you try to explain to them, and I'd say, you know, on a on a massive, massive night on ESPN, right, when I was there, we would get 800,000, maybe a million viewers, right? Uh-huh. And Entertainment Tonight at that same time was doing seven to nine million viewers. <laughs> That's crazy. And so it was one of the points that they brought up in the meeting. They were like, look, if you really like that little show you're doing on ESPN, that's okay. You go ahead and do that little show. But this, this is something bigger. And, I was, and it makes you laugh because, you, you know, I never thought of it that way because I was like, well, I'm at the Mecca. Yeah. And so it was interesting to hear it, you know, put into those terms. But, yes, the audience for Entertainment Tonight is so, so much bigger, you know. Yeah. Even now, even now, as TV begins to shrink, we'll still do five to six million people a night. And, you know, ESPN is doing 350, 400, 500,000. Man, and people don't understand that with those numbers. No, the demographics. No, no, they just they just think you're crazy. They just thought I was crazy. They're like, Kev, you okay? <laughs> yeah. You you know you you left ESPN. I was like, yeah. bro, I had to get out of Bristol, Connecticut. Right, right. <laughs> now, smart move. And on top of that, I mean, you're an entrepreneur, and yeah, you ventured yeah. out, and you've done more than just you know the TV thing i think you know you've tried to do some different things like the hiphollywood.com correct yeah yeah and and you know the idea was that on entertainment tonight you what you see is you see the biggest and brightest of pop culture but that still left a lane especially in 2006 and 7 that where there were a lot of people who were coming to me with content that was especially African-American based that were getting overlooked. And I, I, Mm -hmm. and so I formed this organization to cover those things and we cover We're we're not doing as much salacious gossip as we are doing. We're covering movie junkets and actual entertainment news. And so like, I look at someone like Ava DuVernay, when her Mm -hmm. first movie came out, I will follow Nobody went to – there weren't people going to that junket. The big shows aren't going to cover something like that, and we were there to cover it. And so that is – you know, that's kind of the, the lane that that is for. It's for those people, places, shows, books, artists that are, were getting overlooked in the past. It, you know, it gives them a place and a home where they will get coverage that is in a professional manner. It's not the shade room. Okay, it's not gonna right. be you know we're not gonna be like ooh child your mama girl what? <laughs> right Baby, right no that's not us right no that's good now what else are you doing what what other, well, other also, entrepreneurial well I also have launched a travel brand called Travel Coterie and it's along the same lines as Hip Hollywood and you know there are so many places around the world that people you know that are overlooked by the mainstream travel industry that would appeal to people of color and so I uh, you know I like. I went to Paris maybe six times, and I never knew that there was a part of Paris called Little Africa where you would go and you would feel like you were in Accra. You would feel like you were in in, in Senegal or, or the Ivory Coast, and it literally the food and everything is so different because Paris has the largest concentration of um, expats from the continent of Africa. So it, those are the kinds of things and places that are overlooked that, you know, I go to London all the time, but I never knew that if you turn around and turn away from Big Ben, there's a statue of this woman named Mary Seacole, who is considered one of the most famous Brits of all time, a Jamaican healer, who is also one of the 
founders of modern nursing. And so it's those kinds of little stories that you want to tell and you want to share with people out there and um, that have been overlooked in the past. So it's been a real, it's been a fun thing to build and kind of get going. Wow. That's, that's good stuff right there, man. That's, that's really good stuff. Now I want to talk a little bit about Kobe Bryant. Yeah. um, I know you had a good relationship with Kobe. And in fact, I heard that he invited you to the Mamba Center before he yeah. had passed away, and um, he wanted yeah. you to come out and check out the girls' teams. Yeah, we actually did our last, my last interview with Kobe. I did a, a town hall for Sirius XM with him out at the Mamba Center, and you know, my kids have played out there a bunch. Um, but he was like, "Come see the girls. You got to come see the girls." And I was like, "Great!" I saw him um, at the Just Mercy screening, and uh, we stopped to talk and hug for a second, and you know. The interesting thing about Kobe is he was such a driven, smart, reflective guy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll, I'll never forget, we went on this trip to Sacramento. He and I, just he and I, on, on Southwest together. Um, uh, so he could do a Make-A-Wish visit because he did by far the most of any athlete. That's what I and, heard. Yeah, and as we were traveling up there, he was talking about some of the things he was doing. And he talked about he had just – hired a photographer to shoot him during the games to make sure he was getting lower than defenders. His shoulder was getting lower than defenders. I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, I always want to make sure my shoulder is way lower than the defenders because that's how I can get by you. And that's a little point of emphasis that I'm working on. And so he would literally sit there and go through those pictures after the game to look and see was my shoulder lower when I was attacking? His attention to detail was second to none. And I mean, I'm, I'm heartbroken, not only because of the loss of life and, you know, Vanessa and the other girls will never get to know um, mm-hmm. their father, but also what he was about to contribute to the world as far as women's basketball. Oh, we've never had, we've never really had a woman who has a signature shoe or line that would brand a cross that men and women would wear. And I think that's where Mamba Cito gear and where mm. would have gone because Gigi was that focused and she had, you know, they had that symbiotic relationship where they both like, they both thought the same and felt the same way. And so she was well on her way. She really was on her way. Mm. Now, where were you when you heard the news? Oh, we were I'm getting ready for the Grammys. So I was sitting in the, my trailer close to the Grammys red carpet and um, it, someone texted me and I turned on the TV and someone texted me and they said, Kobe's dead. And I was like, Kobe's not dead. Whoever said that is an idiot. <laughs> yep. And stop, just stop y'all. Mm-hmm. And then I turned on the um, TV and CNN eventually said there was a helicopter crash in Calabasas. And as soon as they said there was a helicopter crash, then I knew I knew it was true because he flew that helicopter everywhere every single day, every single day. It, he was, you know, and so it was it was one of those unbelievable moments. And as a matter of fact, I remember because I got on the phone to my son who was at a basketball camp to call him. And he said, yeah, everybody, everybody's talking about it. And then um, a friend of mine, talked to Shawnee O'Neal, who was in the building, and she said, yeah, they stopped all the games. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I think they took um, his daughter upstairs because the team is here. And so I was like, okay, 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 so Gigi made it. 
And then they were like, no, they were still, some of the girls had gotten there early, that's all. And the Gigi was still flying with some of her teammates with Kobe. Mm. So it was it was heartbreaking. No doubt. It, it took me, Kevin, I mean, it took weeks for it to, I mean, just to really soak in that, yo, he's dead. Like, right. and I, I, we're the same age. We grew up at the same time playing AU together. Like, yeah, yeah. It just wouldn't, it wouldn't, I don't know how it was for you, but it wouldn't sink in. I would see pictures of him, nope. videos, and I'm like, no, not not that dude. The smile. Not, no, nah. I was like, ain't no way. Ain't no way. And I really, really, really didn't believe until the moment I saw Vanessa Bryant walk up there. And then I was like, oh, crap. Sitting in the Staples Center, listening to her and realizing, oh, wow. As surreal as this is, it's real. And what you realize is that what you don't have anymore is guys who will spend 20 years in one place with Mm -hmm. one team in one city and connect in a way that he did. And you have to remember, it was there was a time where the relationship with Kobe was love-hate because yep. you were like, you know, did Kobe run Shaq out of here? What, <laughs> yep. But what you realize is, is that, and, and this is what I realized and why I, I loved the dude, was because you never went to a game and wondered, did he give everything? You never wow. turned on the TV and said, Oh well, you know tonight was just a tough night. He he just he just he he didn't have it tonight. Even if he was missing jumpers, he was playing as hard as he could. That dude, I I, I cannot remember one night whether whether it was his finger was broken or you know he had another injury, his knee was killing him. That he didn't go out there and give you everything he had. And I also will never forget. I was at dinner one night with Jim Rome, the radio show host, mm-hmm. and we were eating down in Orange County and. Kobe walks by. He was in the back, and he had been eating uh, in the same restaurant. And we're like, "Oh, hey, Kobe, stop!" And we're like, "Sit down, sit down, man. You, um, you know, have a cocktail or have something to eat with it's a little dessert." And he was like, "No, no, no, no. I got, I got to work out, man." And I was like, "Dog, you, you, you got time? You still gonna get your rest?" And he was like, "No, no, I'm going to work out now." And I was like, "Kobe, it's ten o'clock." He's like, "Yeah, I have an eleven o'clock workout, and then I'll have my four a.m. workout." And then I'll have my daytime workout. And I was like, what? He's I different. Like, okay. I was like, he's different. And and also, I'll never forget seeing him the night of the Oscars was a great moment. Mm. It was just yep. a beautiful thing because we had joked about it for so many years. And he's like, no, nah, that's not my lane. That's not my thing. So to see him win an Oscar was amazing. And it just showed, once again, his drive. And and, it, and here's an interesting thing about Kobe's Muse. If you ever watched the, the Muse documentary, mm-hmm. they went out and did, Deepak Chopra's son did um, all these interviews. They did all these, they interviewed everybody, Phil Jackson, everybody for this documentary. And then Kobe watched and he said, you know what? I'm just going to do it all myself. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what? And they were like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, yeah, we're going we're gonna to redo it. I'm going to do it all myself. Mm-hmm. And he did it. It's it. And that's what. That's Kobe, though. That was him. And and the and the great thing, like you said, the great thing about him was he was going to work his ass off to have that second act of his life be greater than the first act. And that first act was damn great. Yeah. But if you look at and you you know you understand the phone calls he was making to people, the things that he was doing. I mean, those girls mm-hmm. were practicing five nights a week. When I first heard that, I was like, 
y'all aren't practicing five nights a week. He's like, no, 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 they want to play. If they yep. really want, if they really want a goal, they said that this is what they want. So we're going to practice five nights a week. And it was, you know, you had to be willing to stand there and do jab step, one dribble jumper, jab step, one dribble jumper for a half hour. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what he's like, we're going to master the simple. It's so simple. It's sim- it's simplistic. You have to master the little nuances of the game. But that second act of his was going to be really, really special. And here's something else people don't understand. Kobe, you know, he was continuing to be a very successful businessman. Um, body armor, his drink, mm-hmm. uh, you know, was going to be the official drink of the NCAA tournament. Oh, wow. And he I didn't know that. About, yeah, and the MLS. Body Armor is the official drink of the MLS. And he talked about it. He's like, man, I remember sitting in my living room talking about this little company and how we were going to try to make it grow. And now I'm going to turn on the NCAA tournament and be able to watch it. And how ironic that this year both those things are gone. Man, I know. I know. And and I said, I said this to my mother. I said, just think about this, Mom. All that's going on right now. They're shutting down people going to gyms and all this. If this would have happened, the coronavirus, a month ago, Kobe and all those folks would still be here. Yeah. Isn't that something? Isn't that, that something? Is, that is, that's crazy to think about. Yeah. Listen, it's one of the saddest things ever. And, you know, when you drive around L.A. and you see all the murals and, you know, you just think about, like, he was such a happy person he had found his happiness you know what i mean like we search in our lives for happy moments where we can really say i'm so happy and i I think that during his basketball career there were happy moments when he won championships but i don't think there were happy moments like this where he had so much balance in his life Mm, because he had found a love for basketball again but he was also doing his other things and you know like when he was at the Just Mercy screening, he really supported that movie and Michael B. Jordan and Jamie and those guys. He held screenings for them. He appeared whenever he could to support the movie. He took Natal. He had a screening for Natalia and her friends. It, you know, he was really beloved by the entertainment community because he he did special things. Yeah, no doubt, man. Really sad, but um, I wanna I'm gonna do a couple quick questions. Yeah, quick answers with you. Cool. Okay. Yep. All right. So here we go. Quick questions and quick answers with Kevin Frazier. So here's the first one. Now, is there one person that you haven't interviewed that you want to interview? Like that one interview that you're like, man, I gotta get that. Has that not happened yet, or has that already happened? It's already happened, and uh, the other people that are out there. I mean, listen. Here's the thing about interviews. It's the person that you don't think is going to be a great interview that ends up being the greatest of interviews. Mm. Always know that that the next interview, that 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 simple little person that you thought was not going to be anything big, then you do some research and you say, oh, my God, here's something. And they they respond to it and it turns into an incredible interview. And, And who would that be? Give me one person. I'll give you Johnny Carson passes away and they tell me I have to go interview Paul Anka. And I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, you gotta, you're going to go to Paul Anka's house. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. I go to Paul Anka's house, and I research. I see, yeah, we talk about Vegas and all his Rat Pack days and all that stuff. 
Paul Anka was the greatest, one of the greatest interviews I've ever had because when he started talking about the Rat Pack and Sinatra, how Muhammad Ali would come to his shows and just hang out and just like telling me the minutia of Hollywood, like old school Hollywood and old school Vegas and some of the stories and things that he told about people, places, and things that blew my mind. And then after that, we went into a room and drank wine and had dinner and listened to new music he was about to put out. It was incredible. Wow. And you, you did not expect that. I, I went there and I was like, okay, I got to go talk about the Tonight Show theme with Paul Ica. Okay, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> never know. You never know. Ever. No, good stuff. So number two here. If you were to say your basketball game was like one NBA player, who would it be? Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm ready for this one, Kev. Uh, a current, or can I go older? Grand go Hill. Older. Grand, Grand Hill. Hill, really? Grand Hill, not as big, not as big as Grand Hill. But I want to give myself Grand Hill status. But really, honestly, I, want my, I would want my game if I, if I had to say, like, a bear cat. If I wanted to say, like, oh, well, my game would be like a, a former bear cat. Mm-hmm. That man, I know this sounds crazy, but I would be like Zell. Because yeah. as you get older, you can just shoot it. That's it. You ain't yep. going by nobody no more. So right. I'm like, yo, like Zell, like Lazell. Well, you've got the jersey, so you're good. And to I go. got the jersey. <laughs> and and it, he needs to know I'm still rocking that thing. You know, you know what I need? If you could put that jersey on, 100%. take a picture, and send it 100%. to me, please. 100%. Okay, 100%. that's the deal. All right, so my third question here. If you weren't doing TV and you became a coach, what would be your dream school to coach? Wow. My dream school. Mm. Well, now, would it be because of the on-court or would it be because of the outside atmosphere? Anything you want. And I'm a believer in you build programs, so you never know. You go somewhere and you build a program. But I would definitely. I would definitely want to be at a school in. I would definitely want to be at a school in the Big East or somewhere like that. Um, mm-hmm. But really, I, I this is going to sound really kooky, crazy. But because my father coached so long at Morgan State, that would be my dream job. That would be nice. to go there and kind of rebuild it. And you know, he won a national championship there and brought such notoriety to the school um, during the '70s um, and early '80s. So I would say that that would be the place that I want to go and rekindle the program and, and turn it into something. And I still follow them every game. Nice. You have the gear and everything? You got some everything. gear? Everything. Nice. Everything. Deep in. Good deal. So, speaking of gear, my last question. Now, I don't know if you're a sneakerhead. I'm mm-hmm. a big-time sneakerhead. Yep. What's your favorite pair of sneakers of all time? All time? All time? Yep. Um, all time. The um, uh, it was, so it was two Kobe's ago. They feel so good, and I I won't even play basketball. I I almost went and played basketball in one time, but because of who he is, and so I did a bunch of Kobe shoe launches for um the different Kobe's throughout the years, and so I am a devoted Kobe fan. I love those shoes and. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the so I want to say it's the twelves that I twelves 
the my Kobe twelves or the okay. ones that are or the ones that are snake you know the snakeskin looking ones yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. the snakeskin Kobe's those in white with purple trim oh mm-hmm. I mean I'm I'm really <laughs> kind of freaking out because mine are getting old my white with purple trim I have them white I have them black I have them yellow but I am devoted to Kobe shoes I love his I love his shoes. And and what's crazy about his shoe line is, so Michael Jordan obviously really took the shoe game to the next level, and it's like no one's touching Michael Jordan and their Jordans. But the unique thing Kobe did was he had a meeting at Nike, and he said, hey, I want a shoe that kind of resembles a soccer shoe. So when you're on the soccer field, because you know Kobe's a big-time soccer guy, he talked about the movements on the yeah. soccer field. And he's like, I want those same movements on the basketball court, but I don't feel like the shoes that are out are giving me that support. So they built out this shoe. Nike shows him this low-top sneaker. And that began began the process of how in the world are we going to sell low-top sneakers to the world when you have one of the most athletic guys who's a big guy wearing a low-top sneaker. It was just unheard of. I mean, you had guys like Mike Bibby, Steve Nash. They would wear low-top sneakers, but they're, you know, they're shorter guys, whatever, whatever. You're talking about so the I'm gonna greatest tell you, player in the game. I'm going to tell you something crazy. So I did that shoe launch, and at the shoe launch, they took a gym, and it was half basketball court, half soccer pitch. Mm. And the designer of the shoe was there, too, with Nike, who – the Nike designer that Kobe collabed with, um, Tinker Hansfield. Tinker Hansfield. Tinker Hatfield. Yeah, Tinker Hatfield uh-huh. was there. Tinker was there, and um, they talked about that because, as you know, Kobe grew up in Italy, and he would and he had traveled that summer to Barcelona, and that was at the height of Barcelona and Messi, and when everybody loved him, and so he um, that was really part of the push for that shoe, and people were like, "It's crazy, you can't wear a low cut shoe in the NBA," but then. Uh-huh. Kobe was like, but wait a minute. All the soccer players wear them. Everybody. Like, Lionel mm-hmm. Messi cuts harder than anybody else in the NBA, and he's fine with a low-cut shoe. Mm-hmm. And he's not turning his ankle each and every time. So I, I, I'll never forget that day. It's one of my favorite days with Kobe, and we, um, we streamed that thing to a worldwide audience. All the launches were streamed, um, but this one was streamed, like, it was the first time he had streamed it to a worldwide audience. And um, – it was a great, great day, but it was so cool. And I got to find the pictures. The gym was half grass and half basketball. When I walked in, I was like, this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yep. But that was Kobe, and it, it, it changed. Yeah. It changed the shoe industry. I mean, completely. Yep. Kobe, yeah. when no one thought you could touch Air Jordan sneakers, he changed the game to – I remember I said this. When they, when they launched – the low top Kobe. I said, this isn't going to work. I'm like, it's not going to work. And right. sure enough, Kevin, it worked. And to, to this day, to this day, you have centers. Carl Anthony Towns will wear low top sneakers. Um, yeah, DeMarcus Cousins has worn low top. I, I never, never would you think that would happen. You know, My it, favorite part of that shoe was the fact that. Kobe would be on the court, and there'd be three other dudes on the floor on the other team wearing Kobe's. <laughs> and I'd be like, oh, God, you won't see that with LeBron. You'll see that with Kobe. 
yeah, that you will that. see other dudes on the court were wearing his shoe. And even, um, oh, God, the kid from the Suns who clotheslined Kobe, um, he wore Kobe's. It was everybody. <laughs> People love those shoes. But I, I swear I will never. And, and Tinker, I remember during the press conference, was saying it was crazy to us at first when he suggested a low-cut shoe. Mm-hmm. That they were like, that's I don't think that's going to work. And the way they did things is is that they would do work up in um, up in Portland at Nike, but they would also go on a little vacation on a boat or something for three or four days and just immerse themselves in the shoe. Mm-hmm. And so that's what they did. And and they were like, okay, Kobe, we're going to try this. And that shoe is. I love that shoe. I mean, I love that shoe. It, it turned out to be genius. And it, from a global, from a global standpoint, like more people China. watch I mean, him play soccer than basketball, right? So you talk about a basketball shoe that imitates soccer. The whole world, the whole world loves it at that point. The love for him in Asia and oh, in gosh. Europe, it's global, and and people also respected. He, that he was multilingual and mm-hmm. that he knew how he understood the soccer game. It wasn't like he was kind of a soccer guy. He understood the soccer game. Like, I love soccer. Like, it's, it's, I love it. And he was, like, passionate like that. Mm. No doubt. Hey, Kevin, this was great, man. These are, these are great stories. And listen, the people in Cincinnati are going to love this interview and listen to the history, and we got to get you back to Cincinnati. Now, I know it's cold I, here, Kev. I don't know if you have a I, coat I, anymore. <laughs> but well, You know what's funny is I was just with Nick Lachey a couple of weeks ago, and every time we're together, we go through our Bearcat basketball history and talk about <laughs> all those times and those games. And we were telling D'Antonio Wingfield stories and everything. Oh, it was wow. Crazy. We started talking about the Don. Man. Oh, Real quick, one great story. D'Antonio mm-hmm. got mad at me, and I can't remember what it was about. And he said, I'm not going to do any more interviews with you. And I was like, well, good. I'm not doing any more with you. And I want you to remember that. I will not talk to you. So I would come to practice or post game, and Don could have a big game. And I would grab anybody. I grabbed Jackson Judson or whoever just to, so that I wouldn't have to grab Don, right? And, he, and, and, and then finally, after about two and a half weeks, I think that it was after a game at Dayton, and Don had a big game at Dayton, and Don Antonio Walker was like, I want to do an interview. I was like, no, we're not talking anymore. And he's like, no, no, we're good, we're good, we're good. I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> okay. The Don. The it, Don, man. The it is Don. so hard to explain Don Antonio Wingfield to this generation, like these no. younger Bearcat fans. Like, no. y- you can't explain them. Am I right? It, the people don't understand that when he landed there, it was like a seismic shift, bigger than any other player. And he came with crazy baggage, mm-hmm. and he came with just a personality that was way bigger than his game. And you were just mm-hmm. like, what in the world is this? But when that kid played, man, it was Gary and that team was scary. If you remember that team, him, Damon Flint, um, Darnell, Darnell Burton, yeah, um, Jackson Judson, right? Jolson, Jackson Jolson, yep, 
Jackson Jolson. Um, Lazelle was on that team. Yep. Yeah, those five guys that they those those freshmen they brought in, mm-hmm. and how you know those freshmen were going to make them like the best team in the nation. As a matter of fact, didn't they beat Kentucky at Kentucky? That season, uh, I'm trying to remember. I can't remember. They had a big early season win against somebody massive. It was like, oh my God, these kids are for real. It was like, this is these these little young cats, these baby cats are for real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was a tough team. I mean, it was was tough. One guy that was one of my favorite Bearcats, which I always tell everyone, he was. He was underappreciated, and that was Darnell Burton. That dude could yes. light it up. He guarded other teams' best player. Like he just, played so hard. Yep. He played so hard. You know, it was Darnell. And you know who else I, I can't believe I forgot about? Curtis Bostic. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Curtis would just do some crazy. I mean, he would dunk on people like crazy dunks. Out of nowhere, all of a sudden. Yep. He just bounced on somebody. You're like, whoa, what just happened? Yep. What just happened? And, and I saw him. The other day, he yeah, came to a, he, yeah, he came to a Bearcat game. It was the last home game. It was versus Temple, and he was there. I'm going to tell you, he looks exactly the same. That's scary. He, That's scary. He, he I've never seen a cut like that. No, he's he's six five. He still had on a medium T-shirt that <laughs> was ripping in the back. Our Terry Nelson was just killing him. Oh, was, he loved his medium T-shirts, man. Boy. Woo. Man, he love he would love a schmedium t-shirt or and, and and remember this is back when dudes were wearing really baggy stuff like super baggy stuff. No and doubt he would put on something tight. Like this is his time now. It's too bad he can't come back now because this would be his time. <laughs> With the fitted the thick jeans, the oh oh, he'd be a superstar. Yeah, he would. Oh man. Great times, man. Great catching up, and uh, oh, we gotta I, get I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we gotta get you back. We gotta get you back. I gotta come back. I gotta come back. If you come back um, and get you to a game, I got some of the tickets. You don't have to call them. I'll take care of it. We'll make sure you you get treated right. But we gotta get you back. And listen, I come out to LA a bunch. Um, Anytime, my, you know, you got my number. You got my number. I do. I do. I'm gonna get my you number. Up. Me, you, and Rob Parker got to go out and get some food. Now, Rob's going to be trying to make us go get wings. He's no. A wings guy. He, no. <laughs> I mean, you live in a city that has, like, some of the greatest culinary meals, and you're in the Southwest, you know, and it's the great Mexican food and great Chinese food. And great, and this dude wants to go get go to Wingstop. No. <laughs> He's an original, man. Yeah, man. Well, hey. Listen, thank you so much. I appreciate yep. you coming on, and, and let's let's definitely let's do this again. You got it. All right, I, I'll talk to you soon. All right, appreciate it. Take care, Kevin. I want to thank everybody for listening to our special episode, our interview series of the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. And once again, you can follow me on social media, on Twitter and Instagram, at Alex underscore Meacham. Meacham spelled M-E-A-C-H-A-M. Also on Facebook and LinkedIn, Alex Meacham. On Snapchat, at BigMeach41. And soon to be on TikTok. I appreciate everybody listening to the Bearcat Basketball Podcast. Go Bearcats.